Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans, To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you and good night. I love you. I love you too. Unfiltered talk and the hardcore truth. Mega, mega, mega. 
which is very impressive. Uh, New York Times bestselling author, uh, and he's also uh, done a lot of, uh, you know, different lobbying. And uh, he's also a radical, radical Islam expert. So he's like, he's been doing that for a long time as well. So he's got, you know, uh, a lot of the, uh, a lot of great things, uh, you know, on his resume for sure. Uh, we also have oil and natural gas investor, foreign policy analysis, radical Islam expert, New York Times bestselling author, entrepreneur, and contributor to the DailyCaller.com, Clash Daily, Livesat, Daily Surge, and The Hill. Uh, Dan Perkins will be calling in. Always a pleasure to talk to him. <clears throat> and we will be talking to one of our favorites, the leaders of Blacks for Trump. We will be getting more into detail about the white Gentiles this evening, uh, as he refers, uh, you know, with the, some of the um, – we want to get some more info on that. We're very curious. Um, I know you are as well, Josh, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, it's a term I've really never heard before. Uh, so every yeah. time he says it, I'd like, you know, he has, he has an interesting set of insights. I feel like a lot of people don't, and he uses, in, you know, interesting language. So I always like to, always like to see what's going on in his head. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's start off with, this is absolutely insane. What, what, what What's going on in, um, you know, in Chicago, I, I want I want everybody to hear this clip because I'm all I'm seeing in the streets are these fucking hypocrites wanting gun control, wanting strict gun laws, wanting you know the government to take over. But are you or is nobody paying attention to Chicago? Seventy shot this weekend, eleven fatalities. Are you fucking kidding me? And this mayor refuses to resign. They keep asking him over and over, resign, Rahm Emanuel, but he won't. I mean, this guy is Obama's buddy. Uh, he's, he's done nothing but cause problems for the city of Chicago. And, you know, you look at gun control, Chicago is one of the most strictest. It actually is the strictest gun control city in the United States. And you have the most homicides and shootings there. So what does that tell you? Are, are people, like, people can't be this stupid. I mean, you have CNN and MSNBC brainwashing these people, but there's a lot of people with the walk, walking away, like we've seen. But at the same time, right when it's in front of your eyes, how can you believe the Democrats telling all these lies? I mean, it's, it's sickening, and I want everybody to hear this clip. Um, one, four, roll the tape. What do you blame most for all these killings and these shootings? I would say family values, morals, you know, things being taught, our, our parents. I would say mostly because these children have nothing to do. Not gonna get any better. That's bad. My father's not my life, but what do you make of Ron Emanuel? We want someone else. They take care of downtown. They take care of the north side. Stop at West Side, the left. Can you say specifically what we want to pray um, for? Well, for peace in Chicago. That would oh, be definitely. Yeah, definitely. That we need. On Monday morning, we told you about the shootings, the number of shootings in Chicago uh, over the past weekend. 
something like 70 people were shot, a dozen were murdered. Charlie Kirk, the founder and president of Turning Point USA, is actually from Chicago. He's joining us right now from Phoenix. And Charlie hit the streets in Chicago yesterday to figure out what people are, how they're getting their heads around it. And Charlie, it's hard to figure out why, right? Yeah, you know, it's a real tragedy going on in Chicago right now. And what I was really struck by is there was not this huge call for gun control, even from the citizens of Chicago. And, you know, being from Chicago, we have seen the carnage increase over the last couple of years. And it really is a broken culture problem. And the common theme after talking to, you know, my fellow Chicagoans is that we have a lack of father problem in the black community, especially in Chicago. And just one quick statistic, in the 1960s, uh, the single motherhood rate in Chicago and across the country is about 18% mm -hmm. in the black community. Now it's over 75%. Think about that. In Chicago, only 25% of young black youth will even have a father in the household. And that has contributed to this endless cycle of gang violence and gun violence. And there's a lot of frustration amongst us Chicagoans about the lack of action from the mayor's office to address this problem correctly. But the bottom line is a broken culture problem. So, so uh, Charlie, do you believe that it's okay in Illinois if to, to let black people shoot black people and there's not enough outrage from the people in power and the people in wealth? Is that the sense? Just contain the violence in one region? It sure feels that way. It feels as if we've become desensitized to this pattern of violence in certain parts of Chicago. And these are our fellow Americans. This should be deemed absolutely unacceptable. But here's, what, here's the, probably the most startling statistic. Zero. That's how many arrests have been made from all these shootings over the last weekend. Zero. That right. means these criminals that over 70 people shot, over a dozen people killed, no one has been arrested. And so it's the same people committing the same crimes. And I want to make this perfectly clear. Most Chicagoans are law-abiding, law hard-working, gritty, forward-thinking, creative people. These are, most Chicagoans are not criminals. It is clustered to a couple hundred very, very bad people. And by the way, this war in police will not help us go after the criminals. And as a Chicagoan, I'm disgusted by the lack of action from the mayor's office towards this What do you problem. mean about uh, police? Do you think the police have been just pushed back? They know they're not going to, no one's got their back. So why risk their careers in a region that no one cares about? That's right, and it's the rule of law. So look, when, where there's this divisive anti-police rhetoric, the police are less likely to actually go do their job. And they, if you go into these neighborhoods and you start to forge positive relationships with the pastors and the aldermen and the decision makers on the ground with law enforcement, that will bring down crime. You look what Mayor Giuliani did in New York in the mm -hmm. early 2000s. That's how he cleaned up the streets. He did not divide people based on racial, ethnic lines. He built strong partnerships and he cleaned up the streets. Chicago's doing the exact Is opposite. Is this the first time you've heard that area talk about how they're not happy with the mayor? Because people have wondered in other parts of the country why this mayor continues to get reelected when you see these crime numbers. Yeah, you know, there was unbelievable anger and disgust towards Mayor uh, Rahm Emanuel. And it's important to remember, Rahm Emanuel was the chief of staff under Obama in the very mm -hmm. first couple of years. This is almost the Obama policies in action on a very micro level. And you've seen murders go up. You've seen homelessness go up. You've seen schools closing. The education go down. So this is the Obama national platform centralized in one city. And there's broad disgust by, behind what the lack of action from Mayor Rahm Emanuel. And the mayors before Rahm Emanuel 
Emanuel, mostly the Daly family, they were very pragmatic. They are pro-business. They were pro-police. Rahm Emanuel has brought in a radical leftist agenda and I think made Chicago a more dangerous city, uh, which, by the way, it shouldn't be. It should be one of America's greatest cities for its location and its people. Well, something's got to give. Uh, Charlie Kirk, who hit the streets to interview those folks yesterday for us. Charlie, thank you very much. Thanks, Charlie. Josh, I tell you, man, Chicago's turning into a third world country, man. The city, that city looks and the way it acts and all that violence, it's a third, it, it's the same sort of thing as a third world country. It's scary. And, you know, the weirdest thing about it is we don't. Nobody, like, did you hear that? Did you hear? Did you hear? Nobody's getting arrested. There's no, they can't find the suspect. Yep. People are getting shot well, left know, and right. It's because of it's because of the gangs, and if you tell on somebody, yeah. you're screwed. You're debt. You sign your own death penalty. So it, mm, the you know yeah. the gangs have people scared from the violence, and it's a scary it's a scary place to live and grow up. And the worst part about it is no one's really come up with a way to fix it. The problem is no one's really tried many things. They have terrible no. leadership there, and I'm not even talking about Republican versus Democrat. I'm talking about current mayor and the current politicians and people that are in charge there aren't helping anything. It's getting yeah, their worse. Republican governor is a rhino. He's terrible. You know, and something's got to be done about that city because it's becoming the hellhole of America. It's Detroit, Chicago, and, and Baltimore, Maryland are terrible places to live. It's they're unsafe places to live. And, you know, you want to talk about, I understand that these, these, you know, um, illegal immigrants coming over, that are making, you know, areas of the country unsafe. But this is something else that I think needs to be addressed more from both sides. I, I, sadly yeah. enough, it's something that gets swept under the rug way too easily. Yeah. I mean, it's, un, it's unbelievable. You know. And I'm, I'm watching this basically not even get reported by anyone. I mean, people are not talking about this at all whatsoever. Um, and this is, this is an ongoing issue. I mean, the, the Chicago and the gun violence. And, you know, we, we have all of these communist, liberal, fruit loops in the street marching, wanting people to take over their gun rights. And, you know, they want gun control and gun, the government to take over. But, you know, because they think it's going to help because they see all these, these shootings in the, you know, that they try to, at the school shootings, but they never talk about Chicago. Chicago happens every day, multiple times a day, and it's the most strict gun control city in the in our in our country. Like I said earlier, and it's yep. just nuts. The logic, like they don't have, yep. the, and it's all it's all political brainwashing. It's all you know, people stuck in their own ways, still voting Democrats, still voting for that same mayor. You know, I mean, it's it's a problem. No, I mean, absolutely. It's like it's become a non-issue. And I think when something as serious as how many – what's the number again of people that died this week or last week? Oh, just over the weekend in Chicago, 11 people, and there were 70 shots. I mean, that's – the fact that that many people are dying and no one says anything. You know what the weirdest part about it is? That if the Democrats were so worried about gun control, first off, why wouldn't they – why wouldn't they yeah. be using Chicago exactly. as an example? Well, the problem is exactly. because the guns have been taken away. And they can't right. use it and as a political weapon. As w and, you know, furthermore, why is it – Chicago should be a perfect example of we have a problem with violence, and then the government steps in and fixes it. If the Democrat way yeah. 
is so good or the government's so good, why doesn't the government step in and fix Chicago? Because the government isn't God. If the government's God, why, what's wrong right. with Chicago right now? Right. And, and let's face it, everybody. <clears throat> you know, if, if, if the Democrats were, were, you know, focused on Chicago and making their sheep and voters aware of Chicago, I mean, it, it doesn't match their agenda. They would totally ruin their gun control uh, whole plan and, and, you know, thing they want to pull off. I mean, you know, we, we all know this. I mean, this is, this is what they, this, and it's sick. It's sick politics. Yeah. And I mean, and let me say this too about, especially in that, for that mayor, shame on the Republican party in that area for not using these black, these deaths of people in Chicago to get someone who's more competent in that office, shame on the Republican party in that area. Or honestly, yes. any party besides the Democrats for not getting someone in there with a brain, because you have the greatest right. opportunity to help someone or help a city yeah. with new policy, and you're not doing it. Somebody needs to step up. You know how easy it would be for one of these really smart black Republicans to step up and say, "This is a problem that we need to address," right. and I have I have some ideas. Like the fact right. that someone like that hasn't stepped up yet or hasn't been elected yet is a shame on the Republican Party in the area and a shame on the citizens in that area. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is sick. It is sick. Uh, Valerie Greenfeld, our other co-host, is on the line. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Welcome I've to the show. Thank you. Uh, what are I've your thoughts? I mean, I know you have thoughts on Chicago. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I just think it's time to I, – I just came in, so I didn't hear what you've already said. Um, I'm just saying, I, like, all the Democrats are hypocrites. I really think hypocrites. it's time I mean, to get rid of Emmanuel. Rahm Emanuel has yeah, to yeah. go. I mean, he yeah. is the reason that all of these people are unsafe because of his policies. And, yep. you know, all these people are dying, and, ju- and it doesn't have to happen. That's the thing. It's not – it yep. doesn't have yep. to happen. It's the policy that he, he – he's – keeping that that is keeping right. you know the people in in Chicago unsafe this it's a very yeah. simple problem to fix if if they had the right mayor if they had the right guy there oh absolutely 100% and 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 you know it, it it's a it's a city with so much opportunity and all i see every day when i turn on the news more shootings in Chicago. More shootings in Chicago. Yeah, I'm getting fucking sick of it. I'm really getting tired of it. I don't want to keep scrolling through my newsfeed every morning, seeing more and more shootings in the same city. Chicago. I mean, it's it's always Chicago. I mean, constantly. This is an epidemic. It's sick. I mean, and nothing is being addressed about it. The guy. I mean, Ron Emanuel comes out and makes a quick press conference saying, "Yeah, yeah, blah 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 blah." blah. You know, my prayers. You know, all this stupid shit. That, I mean, there's no sincerity there. And he doesn't take action on anything. And he's trying. And he also had the fucking nerve, which really pissed me off. And uh, excuse my French, but uh, he is banning Trump from entering uh, Chicago. It's a Trump-free zone. Remember when he said that, guys? Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, come I mean, on. Come on. Is that even no, legal or is that no, just he some sounds PR like a fool. Stuff? Just some PR yeah, stuff. It is. So, so totally. What, I mean, I don't understand how the people of Chicago haven't gotten a clue and get rid of him. I mean, they can they can do that. Yeah. I know. I mean, how many you know, people have to die? I know, and it's just you know, unfortunately, it's going to keep happening um, until there's new leadership. 
and we're just going to keep reading about it. We're going to keep thinking about it. We're going to keep feeling bad for these people. But unfortunately, at the end of the day, there's really nothing we can do. I, and I, I, I grieve. You know, I, I give my deepest condolences to these families because it's not mo- – the majority of these families are innocent victims that are getting targeted, and it's terrible. You know, I, I, I wish you something know, could – you know. You know, I think one of the reasons that this, uh, you know, I think shifting of the blame blame is one of the reasons why Emmanuel continues to get, uh, you know, elected. And, uh, you know, it's it's sad that the Chicago people are buying it. But when you shift, the, the thing is the media and, you know, the Democrats shift the blame in Chicago and in Detroit and in Baltimore right. and say, well, this is because of the gangs and the gangs are hard to control. And everybody buys right. that. Well, yes, the gangs are hard to control, but it is your bad policy about gun control that is in all three of those cities I just mentioned, it is the bad policy of the leadership in those three cities that leads to the, these death counts. When people, when good people and innocent people cannot defend themselves, right. even to have a 50-50 chance of fighting back, when they can't even have the same fire because they're a law-abiding citizen, they want to follow the law. Well, when the law says you can't have a gun, you're immediately right. a step down from someone that does have a gun. And, you know, right. I don't expect I don't expect the mayors of these cities to just snap their fingers and make everything perfect. But when you're being counterproductive, that's a problem, and you need you somebody needs to replace you. I don't care if it's a Republican, Democrat. I don't care if it's a, a purple skin transgender. If you can come in and fix <laughs> this problem and stop people from being killed, you know it's it's funny, but like I don't care. I don't care if you like Trump, hate Trump. I don't care if you like Jesus, hate Jesus. Whatever. If you can you come scared. in and fix this problem. <laughs> whatever flips you scared, you know that's that's Did how you guys it is. talk you know, about whatever. sanctuary cities? Um, we are we're going to get to that. Yes, we have a lot of we have okay, a lot to talk about. Okay. Um, I do want to say though. You know, it's I, we do have to move on, but I, we can get into a whole fucking um, segment on this whole gun issue in, in Chicago, and it, it's just it goes and you know it goes to show as well that there are there are in a, in a lot of sense people waking up uh, to the realities of uh, you know especially people in the Democratic Party. I mean, the NWACP uh, just took a poll. And it shows that black American support for Donald Trump has surged uh, double uh, than what it was last year. And the NWACP, NWACP is a little bit of a bias poll. So what they said, it was at 21%. But Rasmussen did a poll last week, and they said black support for Trump was at 29%. So, and Rasmussen was the closest and most accurate poll during the presidential election. So I think I'm going to stick with Rasmussen at 29%. Rather than the bias <laughs> NWACP at 21. <laughs> but um, let's just say we're moving in a really good direction. That That's really good for Trump because once you get past – I mean, let, let's face it. For so long, and I've been saying this, Democratic Party has counted on the black vote at least 90% or more. And once you disrupt that, once you interfere with that, there there's problems for the Democrats, and Trump is already – way over interfering with it. I mean, he's got um, he's got um, 30% of black support. I mean, that's crushing the Democratic Party. I mean, that's basically You're punishing right. them. 
because they count because on the minority to... black vote. That's exactly right, because Trump is giving results. He's showing the, yep. that group, the black um, group that, that uh, they're going to get jobs, and action works. Yeah. And Rahm Emanuel, yeah. what kind of action is he, he giving in Chicago? You know, he's, right. so far all it's been is more murders. It's the same with Bill, Bill de Blasio. It's the same with all these pathetic yep, mayors. New York. You know, all the ones that are run by liberals. I mean, you know, I, you know thankfully, you know, I, I, I'm a conservative, but where I'm from, you know, I, I live in Phoenix now. Everybody knows that. But I'm from Seattle, and everybody knows that as well. But our, the mayor in Seattle, oh, my God, she's a liberal, uh, just a leftist les, lesbian you know, I, 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 you know, I don't agree with that lifestyle, and I'll say it firsthand. Everybody knows I don't agree with that lifestyle, but she used to work under Obama, and she's a complete disaster. I mean, this woman, we went from – Seattle went from having a pedophile mayor, a gay pedophile mayor, to having a lesbian left-wing uh, mayor that used to work for Obama. So you can only imagine the, the suffering that some people have to go through that are conservative in Seattle. Because believe it or not, there are conservatives in Seattle. <laughs> But the liberals definitely outdo them. Um, but we're, just all the leadership all around, you know, just in general, it's it, it, in every sort of – the Democrats have like a standard. They have an agenda. They, they're one-dimensional. They all abide by pretty much the same thing. Obviously, there are exceptions sometimes. But what, what we've seen lately is nothing but them going to the far left as possible, becoming a socialist uh, realm of politics. No, I mean, you're right, you know? 100%. And, and, you know, any time when – I mean, and that's one of the biggest selling points about, points about the Democratic Party is acceptance and tolerance. Well, when you're accepting – this is also the problem with when there's no right and wrong. When there's a group right. of people that doesn't believe in right and wrong, then you can accept and right. tolerate anything. And there are some things for us who have somewhat, some sort of morals that that really bothers yeah. us. And it should bother them, but when it seems right. it doesn't, it's just this is one of the reasons there's such a big disconnect from the left and the right right now. Yeah, yeah and, and you know what? And here's another thing. I mean, the Democratic Party, you want to hear how sick, sick this is? There was a new poll out today, and 60% of illegal immigrants and legal immigrants are – wait, where was it? Give me one second. It was right – Nearly 60% more Okay, wait, hold on a second Immigrants using nearly 60% more food stamps Than native-born Americans I mean, that's, that's what our country has become We have people from wow. other countries Using food stamps more than our own people There was a new poll out today And I mean, just to think of that How we've been overruled and Like, just pretty much I mean, intruded on in a sense. I mean, this is disgusting. I can't even fathom this in a sense. I, I can't. I can't get it. Like, what the, what the hell? Jesus Christ. And you think about this. Trump wants to, be, wants to do the welfare ban for immigrants, which would, which would save taxpayers $57.4 billion, with a B. That would save us. Wow. In, in, in that, that would, yeah. I mean, think about that. That's how much we're spending on illegal immigrants. Wow. It's disgusting. Boy, I don't even wow, know what to say to that. Oh, go ahead. Jeez. What? Go ahead, Valerie. I was just going to say, you know, 
we're we're spending on um, we're spending our finance and our blood. You know, I mean, people are dying and money is being spent, and it it doesn't have to be that way. And and yeah. I don't understand how these how these liberal uh, mayors and other uh, leaders are continually getting elected. And I I really think this year could be it. You know, I think this upcoming election, as I know the press is all saying liberal, liberal, and Republicans won't win. I just don't see that. I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna do very, very well. And as uh, Trump's uh, policies are working, and as you said, the blacks are coming over because they see the action and they see things are happening that are good for them. And the Democratic Party really never did anything to help them. Um, I think things will really change. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, I mean, I think everything I think everything Valerie just said is true and you know, the fact that we are paying for these people's food stamps in the first place is just Jesus. incredibly wrong. It's not even just so, like, oh, so I don't ignorant. I disagree with it cuz so I'm a Republican. Ignorant. It is. It's wrong because you're implying that my tax dollars should go to pay for someone who isn't paying in to the system. Yeah. Like, I don't think food stamps is something that should happen. I mean, there, I mean, some the of them, fact, Josh, Josh you know. let's face it, Josh, let's face it. Some of them do pay in, but majority of them don't like, so we'll go with the majority. They don't, but some of them do, but very, no, absolutely. Of them do. Well, I, you know, and I personally think that food stamps is kind of like, you know, I don't agree with it period. Cause I don't think the government should be a charity. I think that there are organizations that if you need food, like the food bank and stuff and Salvation Army, there's organizations you can go to. I don't think the government should be offering that. But the fact they're offering it to illegal immigrants is just another level of wrong. I agree. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it it goes to a whole other level of, you know, it's turning, you know, in a sense, this is all Obama. I mean, Obama put all of these laws into place and, Let's face the facts. They, he wanted to turn us into uh, what London is going through, what all of these other <clears throat> countries are going through, socialism. They, he, his plan was to hand it over to Hillary, and they were going to ruin the country, but uh, not so fast. You know, we, uh, we had Donald J. Trump who saved us. God bless. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, you, you talk, about, um, talk about communism. I mean, you talk about some scary stuff that, you know, I, I mean, it's – you know, uh, they want open borders. They want illegals pouring in. They want amnesty. They want all of these things that have never worked. They will never work. It's a high risk. It's burden on taxpayers. Um, I mean, there's so many variables. I mean, I, I could go on and on. Um, you know, and, and it's, <laughs> I, I, you know, I just, I, I'm at loss of words sometimes with uh, some of the things that, you know, we've had to pay for uh, regarding illegal immigrants, like their health care. I mean, we've had, they've gotten free health care. I mean, what the fuck? And they've gotten all of these things that everyday Americans have to pay for and, you know, wait in line for. And, I mean, it's like all this special treatment, you know? I mean, you're 100% right. I mean, it's just, it's the world we live in right now. And it's, uh, well, I mean, Hopefully not the world we live in because of Trump, but it's the world that the Democrats want us to live in. And I think that's why Trump did so well in the election is because he he hit the nail on the head. It's America first. And when we're paying for everybody else except our own people and we don't stand up for ourselves, 
then, you know, why, why would we want to continue, you know, voting those, those particular policies back in? It doesn't work. And, uh, you know, our people do have to come first. It's not that we're trying to be selfish. It's just that, you know, we're always last on the list. We're paying for the UN and we're paying for NATO and we're paying for everything else. And, and I'm proud of him. I'm proud that he stood up at these meetings and said that other European countries have to pay their fair share. Because nobody else yeah. had the chutzpah to do it, all these presidents before him. This has been going on for decades and decades. And the president right. beating up on Trump and saying, you know, you're, you're messing up all our relationships and you're being rude to our, our, our allies. But the truth is they're being rude. They're not doing what, what's fair. And, and I'm grateful right. that we have Trump to stand up for us because nobody, no other president did it. Right. Oh, I, oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we have this guy every, we have Trump every day delivering on a new promise and, you know, fulfilling our, our obligations and what he uh, said he would do. I mean, on the campaign trail, I mean, he's, he's already completed 70% um, of his agenda. Uh, in a year wow. and a half, that's uh, wow. that, that's seventy percent. Yes, seven zero. They they did a poll. Um, unbelievable. Absolutely. I mean, we've never seen anything like this in in American history. I mean, this is something that me and Josh were talking about earlier today on the phone. I mean, he's like. I mean, Josh, you were comparing him to uh, George Washington. Speak on that, Josh. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, just just the way that. You have to have somebody who's going to make kind of a a first impression like George Washington did on the country. You know, he set a precedent. Well, the way that Trump is setting a precedent that I can only compare to someone like a founding father just because he's coming at it like no one else has come at it before. He's not a politician. Neither was George Washington and some of the first founding fathers. He's coming at it like, hey, I have this idea about how the country should be run. Let's make it happen because I love this country and I want to make it work. Right. I think you're right. right. It, you know, they, they both break the mold because they come in as their own individuals and they, they have their own methods of, of problem solving. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's kind of, you know, if you, I know, Josh, did you say you see, you saw the new movie? Uh, did, Denise Souza, uh, the death, death of a nation, is it called? So I actually haven't seen it yet, but I plan on seeing it here soon. Yeah, basically, there, you know, his whole movie is based around, um, and I still have to see it. I haven't seen it. Everybody says it's great. At least everybody on the conservative side. I mean, I know they, <clears throat> their critics ripped it apart because, but let's face it, majority of the critics are liberals from Hollywood. They're not going to give it a good uh, review. But uh, it basically, you know, goes into detail and explains, you know, how, from my understanding and from what I read, that he's comparing Trump to Abraham Lincoln. I mean, that Trump is setting a new era. Trump is setting a new, uh, this is like a new, a new uh, world. I mean, we're like, we're like living in a new life. I mean, this is like, he's reinventing the wheel. He's re, he's, it's like a recreate. Oh my God. How do I explain it? it it's. It, it's like day one again. Does that make any sense? Do I make sense? It makes perfect sense. Yeah, he's he's resetting politics. He's actually yes. resetting the world order because you know yes. he's Trump's out there making friends with the enemies that previous presidents wouldn't even talk to. 
Yeah. You know, I think he literally is changing the world order. Oh, without without a doubt. I mean, there, there's there's all of these things. Josh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think Valerie hit it right on. I think you both hit it right on the top of the nail. I mean, it's just it's the way that he's addressing politics. It's like it's like how we are we're told that you know people like George Washington approached it. You know. He he went for two terms. He stepped down, you know, and he did what he could. And even his the speech of him leaving is very interesting, where he says that I didn't, you know, I didn't intend to do anything wrong, but I'm sure I've made mistakes in my, you know, it's the, it's kind of like the humbleness of like I'm I'm holding this office. It's very important. It's a it's a you know, and Trump isn't people wouldn't I wouldn't even call him the most humble person in the world, but he has the, because of the way that he treats himself. He has the ability to to humble himself, and when he does humble himself, it almost means more, you know. So it's a whole reset, like Valerie was saying, of the way that politics is today. It's you know, it's incredible. Whether you agree with them or not, you have. I think you'd be stupid not to see the comparisons, whether you like it or not. Oh, absolutely. We got the we got the leader of Blacks for Trump on the line. How are you, Michael, the Black Man, my brother? That's what you go by, right? Michael the Black Man. Yes, sir. How you doing? How you doing, man? Good to have you back on. We love you, man. We love you. I love you. You're, you're the greatest. I, uh, you are doing amazing I'm things. I'm not the greatest. You, Trump is the greatest. <laughs> well, yes, Trump is the greatest, but you're also the greatest in your own way. You are. I mean, you were on headline news last week on the Rasmussen poll. We're at 30% with black support for Trump, and we have you to thank for a lot of that, my friend. We really do. You've done a lot of work. You travel everywhere. You give influence. You give insight. You shine your light. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to watch, my friend. Okay. Well, we also have Kanye West, really, because he's a star, and he really um, made black people feel very comfortable about being with Trump. And that's what I what I aim to do is make sure that everybody understands that good people as black and white must unite. That's the whole purpose of me standing with Trump. So he did his policy then so we can all make some money. <laughs> exactly. You know, and Michael, mean, jo- Josh Lavity here, a quick question. Yeah. So you mentioned Kanye West. Um you know, you always mention the white Gentiles, but what would you consider Kanye West? Because he's been someone who's really been pushed away in an odd way from, you know, pop culture because of, you know, backing Trump. Well, would I consider him? He's a, he's a real guy. Yeah, like, he is uh, the people that are actually protesting that you think are – Black people are not black people. They're mostly East Indians, Arabs, Pakistanians, and the other ones that are dark skin are mostly Africans that that help capture the black man as a slave. The, the, the black man as a slave are the, um, are the Hebrews and white Gentiles, unbeknownst to themselves, they are Hebrews themselves because Noah is the father of Shem and Japheth, Japheth, the father of all Gentiles. And so Noah was a Hebrew, they're Hebrew. Uh, the African, he's a Hebrew too, but he's a disinherited Hebrew because he's, his father was Ham. And Ham 
and his son Canaan uh, disrespected Noah and got disinherited. And those are the guys that are our enemies. They're sitting between the black man and the white man, and they separate us. They, since they own the media, thank God for Fox and, and Rush Limbaugh and all them, that uh, we're taking it back. But in the meantime, in the beginning, they own the media. So they just tell you that these are black people that are against Trump. Most black people are not against Trump. They're just afraid to be, of being excoriated for being seen with him or being called an Uncle Tom or a coon. But since I know that you are my blood brother and that we must fight in unity together, then they can't terrorize me like that. You understand? I'm I'm with you all the way. Even when you reject me yourself, because, you know, even when I go to some of the events, sometimes you have some Secret Service officers. The ones that know me, they love to see me. Black or white. But then you have some that are very distrusting and they treat me extremely bad until I can get with one of the other secret service men who know me and they say, Hey no, he's okay. But they, they they're so geared to treating me horribly because they're afraid and they and I'm to be honest with you, I'm glad that they do, do that really because that shows me that they're protecting Trump because they're they're just being protective. They don't know. They think that I, you know, I could be an enemy. So, but in the meantime, it does hurt sometimes, but I know I have to take that because I have to make sure that the black man and the white man get free. And Kanye West is a black man that saw a video on my website showing uh, Kim Kardashian's um, sister, Chloe Kardashian, that showed, you know, I was telling black people and white people that, these people are literally cannibalizing us and eating us and hunting us and all this crazy stuff. And then Kanye West went on my website and actually found the, the video. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry about that. Kim Kardashian's sister, sister uh, on the, a show called The Kardashians eating a placenta from a black girl, and they asked her, what kind of... Placenta is this? Well, human. What animal did this come from? And she said, "Oh, a human." And Kanye West to the very core. You understand? So, and now they cannot talk him into um, turning away from Trump or white Gentiles at all because he now see his eyes are open. It only takes that for black women to see that it's over. That's why black women are flipping me because they call my radio station all the time. Oh my God! This is what they, I said. This is what they're doing, and they don't want nobody to know. And uh, white Gentiles feel guilty because the people who are doing this are Canaanites and, and Arabs who look white, but they're not white. I mean, they're not white Gentiles. And even if they are mixed with those Gentiles, Gentiles don't think like that. They're not vengeful. They don't try to hurt us. In fact, they'll jump into a burning car to save your life. That's the nature of a Gentile. That's what I have to explain. The black people all the time. All these shootings that are killing black men unjustly are not. Um, they are not Gentiles. Those those people are these East Indian Africans. That's why I laugh when Colin Kaepernick drops onto a knee to protest against white Gentiles for killing black people. When in actuality, I've studied and looked at each brother that was killed or we think was killed unjust 
and every last one of those guys were either East Indian, Arab, or Pakistanis, and some might call Canaanites or albino white white people who were totally different from Gentiles. Those are the Canaanites, and those people uh-huh. shoot us. But most of them are East Indian, Arab, Pakistan, like Rajah. He shot a black man in West Palm Beach. Black people walk around, oh, my God, white people are killing us. No, no, no. His name is Rajah. You look him up, he's a full East Indian. Then uh, another guy named Aliadah shot a black man laying on his back with his hands in the air. Man, crackers are killing us. No, that's not a cracker. That's not a white man. This guy is an East Indian. And then another guy named Paraza. He shot a black man walking down the street, shot him in the heart. Everybody, went, what the hell is going on? This, this happened in Fort Lauderdale. And and when you when you, I went to the courtroom just to see what was going to happen one day, and I go into the courtroom. His wife and his and his mother is in there, and they're dressed in full East Indian garb with red dots in their head. I'm like, now, God damn, this is going absolutely insane. And and I started studying each one of them. And they are blaming white people for what they do. Then Colin Kaepernick himself apologized to black people in an article and on video. I got both of them on my website. And they said, I want to apologize to black people because I'm not really a black person. I'm actually an East Indian from caste. What? So (laughs) the man that's shooting us is protesting against white people about him shooting us. So I said to black people, hey, listen, stop getting on a knee and going against white people and uh, against the flag when that flag is the flag that fought the free. Stop going against that and go against the enemy. These people who come to America and join the Cherokee Nation because they have Cherokee, you know, their DNA is Cherokee, East East Indian, they have the Pakistan and Canaanite. Stop going to the damn casino. Stop, stop supporting East Indian Arab stores. If you're going to protest somebody, if you want to hurt somebody for hurting you, hurt the people that hurt your ass. What is wrong with you? And that's why black people are starting to catch on now. You understand? So yeah. I'm with you and all you the know, way. And you yeah. know what? Go ahead. I'm sorry. You've been a big yeah. – I do want to welcome our special guest right now shortly, but stay on, Michael. But I do want to say, Michael, you've been a huge part, and you're the leader of Blacks for Trump, and the reason – there's Trump's at 30% with black support. You have you're a lot you have a lot to uh, a credit to take for that one because you have led the way. Like I said earlier, I mean this is a big thing, Michael. I mean I hope you know how how significant your role has been and your importance because it's really made a, a huge impact. And I want to thank you, and I think everybody wants to thank you, all the Trump supporters, and and they do at the rallies. I see you make friends with everyone. Everybody loves you. Well, I love them. I want to thank them because black people only make up 13% of the population. Uh, what we got to do is make sure the white Gentiles get out and vote instead of being stupid and allowing these people to put some other people in to right. put Trump in jail, which is what they want to do. They want to they want to uh, impeach or jail Trump, and they're going to absolutely kill me. So if white Gentiles want to save Trump, who put his life on the line for you and gave up his opulent life. Yes. You get your yes. dumb ass off of your butt and you get out there and vote. Don't get complacent now. We got to get right. the, we got the king in so we got to get the king's horses and the king's men in so that he can then put his 
right, his, um, right. Uh, policies in so that we can be saved. Because just yep. read Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. It says it's the policy of the beast that will destroy us. The policy. You understand? So and you, call, and you know, Obama, we want to talk. Yo, we want to talk about that. We know Obama's the beast. We know how you describe him. But first, I want to welcome my special right. guest. Stay on the line, Michael. Um, oil and natural gas investor, foreign policy analysis, radical Islam expert, New York Times bestselling author, entrepreneur, and contributor to Daily Caller, Flash Daily, Live Zet, Daily Surge, and The Hill. Dan Perkins, how are you, my friend? Good to have you back on, as always. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you, sir. Yes. Um, yeah, we were, you know, we're, we're, um, we're just talking about, you know, uh, I mean, you know, you, I'm sure you've heard the conversation, you know, Michael, um, you know, we're yes. talking about just all of the, the positives that are coming out with Trump. I mean, 30% black support with Trump. I mean, we still have some of the stubborn people in the black community that haven't woken up yet, but they, you know, slowly they are, um, you know, we were also talking about Chicago a little bit earlier, but, you know, there's so, yeah. there's so much to I go would, over. Uh, go I wanted to ask Michael a, a quick question, if that's okay with you, Roy. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, please. Michael, I have one one very specific question for you. Yes, sir. Would it, would, would it help the black turnout in the, elect, in the midterm elections to vote for Republicans if Donald Trump were to go to the south side of Chicago and the west side? Ooh, oh, wow. Yeah, because, uh, oh, of course, it, 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 anything Trump does, anything, well, black, I'm sorry, but well, white Gentiles are understanding that the way, Democrats, the way Democrats get over is they party with us. Then nobody knew what his policies were, so guess what he did? He came over and played the saxophone with us, and he became called the first black president. When the real first right. black president is Trump, I know that Trump yeah. he knows how to talk yeah. white with us, talk like us. I've been around him. He's, I've seen him at the black, uh, what do they call it, the uh, pimp, the international pimp ball. If Trump was a racist, what in the hell is he being the only white man to the Trump, to that kind of an event with Snoop Dogg? You understand? But this man is now being called a racist. So if he goes and do that again, it's hard to do it, but if he parties with us, and, and, and not just parties with us, just show up. Because I'm going to have an event, but I was going to do it before the midterms, but I can't do it now because I've run out of money. But if, if I, I was doing an event with the OJs, the Temptations, uh, Rick Ross, a whole bunch of stars, and get him to come and honor him there, just that will get over. Because black people don't understand what you mean by the stock market going up and down. They don't know what that means. All they know is you don't like them because you don't want to be around them. That's why I throw a party every week, and I invite the tea party and the government party so that they can see us in unity. They have to see it. If you don't believe it, read Revelation 11.8. It says, Exactly what you're talking about. It says, I saw the two, when I saw the two brethren stand together in unity on their feet, a great fear would fall upon the heathen when they see the unity of the brethren. That is the terror when the black man and the white man wakes up, the Jew and the 
were Gentiles. Both of them are Hebrews because Noah was a Hebrew. But we were called Jews because we were the tribe of Judah. But the, the white man is the Gentiles. When those two people stand together, nobody can whoop us. You can't whoop us. I don't see none of them on the basketball court, none of them on the football field. You might see one or two of them, but it's all the only people that can compete with me is me, which is the Gentiles. The Gentiles are us. They have forgotten that they're us because Jesus said so. The Bible says Jesus had woolly hands, Revelation 1:13-15, and black feet. That's what the scripture said. And it says right in there that he's here for the Jew and the Gentile. So, and he said the Gentiles have forgotten who they are, and they will be my brethren forevermore, even though they have forgotten. That's Romans chapter 9. 19 through 23. It actually says that, they ask, why do you forgive the Gentiles, Jesus, when they've done us so bad? He said, because these are my people who have forgotten that they are my people, but will be my people forevermore. So the fact that you've forgotten don't make you not be them, because you can't be anything but your daddy. Your daddy is Noah, so you are a Hebrew. That's it. So we got to come back together, or God is going to kill everybody. If I didn't believe that, I swear to God, I wouldn't have myself being excoriated and laughed at by my own people, which appears to be my own people, when it's really not. But I wouldn't be going through this here and allowing myself to be beat up, talked about bad, like they did on the other day in the New Times newspaper. They said that, um, oh, this black guy here um, works with Trump, but he's bankrupt. How does he get around? Uh, and I, I, I get around by scraping up because I know it's, it's necessary. And I'm not, I, I told myself, I know I'm not allowed to make money because I'm a black man. And if I did make money, they would talk about me like a dog and they would call me a coon and everything else. Uh, you know, even if I say, send a donation to help me get here and here, some of them send donations, some of my Gentile brothers, but most of them don't, which is okay because I expect to go through that. Until, like the Bible says, we would come to our own and our own would receive us not. So I expect that kind of pain. And I promise you, if I didn't know that the Bible said that God is going to kill everybody if we don't come together, I would not put myself through this type of pain. Because hey, I've lost hey, Michael. apparently the black real, real, Yes, sir. Yeah, real quick, I don't mean to interrupt you, but before before we That's shift okay. topics here, I, I, I wanted to give you an opportunity. Where can said that you're running out of money? Where can people give money to you so you can keep going to these events if they if they wanted to? Goes on God2.com. God G O D the num I mean S the number two dot com. G O D S the number two dot com and you go there and it has a donate spot. And it's a like it's like a GoFundMe, and they can send a little gotcha. donation, whatever. And then I can, cause it's getting hard, but I'm gonna go for it. Cause I, if we lose this midterm, we're doomed. I gotta, I gotta make it happen. Even when they yeah, and sometimes don't want me to sit beside out there. I don't know why you don't want me to sit beside Trump, because they gotta see that. Otherwise, the, the independents and the never Trumpsters are gonna vote stupid. Because they're trying to apologize to black people. That's the only reason they do that. So when they see me, they feel comfortable going ahead on and making America great. That's what's got to happen. Just, just show the you I don't need to talk. I don't need to say nothing. All I need to do is stand there, and it's over. So that's what the Bible says. They got to see it. Once they see it, that's a wrap. 
watch. We'll win the midterm because I'm going to go in and impose myself. You understand? Even if they treat me mean, I'll just be outside. And when I talk to people and, and get with them, they take it to, they share it. And that's perfect. You understand? So I, all yeah. I need to do is make sure they know that we're with you. Because, yeah. you know, yeah. we, you know I we appreciate what you do, you Michael. Okay, yeah, we well, absolutely, we absolutely you. do. Well, you're, you're great. I appreciate you getting out there and vote. <laughs> Yeah, but Michael, stay awesome. on the line. Stay on the line, Michael. Stay on the line. We do want to get to our special guest, Dan Perkins. Mr. Perkins, did, was your question answered by Michael? Do you think, or did you kind of? Yes. yes. Thank what? you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, sir. I, yeah, Michael, that was very well detailed. Very well detailed. Thank you. Thank you. So, stay on the line, Mike, because we're going to talk about some big topics that are currently going on. Uh, I do want to say real quick, though. Let's mention that President Trump has now uh, has now boast is boasts about five been five for five in the special elections. Um, you know, Tuesday night he won it. We won again in Ohio. Uh, you know, President Trump just keeps winning and winning. We don't we don't stop. And it's it's you know these liberals keep trying to push this curse on us, saying we're we're going down and, you know, it's, it's a blue wave and, you know, we're done, but, and no, no, it's going to be a red tsunami. We're, we're going to completely take over. Um, you know, there, there's no doubt about it. I mean, we have, we have all the, we have everything in our power right now. We have everything in our, we're on offense in every single way. I mean, Trump has done better than any president, you know, in, in history uh, in his first year, he accomplished 70% of his, his promises, 70%. I said this earlier in the show, but I'm saying it again. But, I mean, Dan, we're, we're, we're living in, in something amazing right now. I mean, this is unreal. And, you know, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, I, I, you know, it's just it, it's incredible. What are your thoughts? I know you've written a lot of pieces this week. Yeah, the, the, the thing that, you, that needs to be said further with what you're talking about is that in spite of 93% of the stories coming from major media against everything that Donald Trump has done, your, your, your statistic at 70% of the things that he said he wanted to do get done, this man has the ability to not quit. And never in the past, in, in the past, any Republican who would have come under much less pressure than what's been attacking Donald Trump would have quit. So what we have is a, is a president who has broken the mold. You know, people talk about Donald Trump about, about being not being very presidential. Well, maybe Donald Trump is setting the standard for what the new presidential should be. A man who stands up for the country the man who calls out nations who are treating us unfairly, taking advantage of us, a man who says we can have a better life, we can do better things, and maybe he's not the, the Harvard graduate politician, but he's a very what successful you know, businessman. You know, we don't, we, we don't want the Harvard graduate politician. We want the billionaire businessman that he is. I mean, I mean, it's phenomenal. And, and you see all these phonies that go to Harvard 
and go to Yale. I'm not, I'm, a lot of good people go to those schools. I'm not saying they don't. There's a lot of good people. But there's also a lot of politicians that come out of there and kind of use that to their realm. You know, I mean, use that, you know, as they're, you know, sort of getting into the uh, – into the into that realm in the political industry, and you know it's just I don't know I don't think I think you know look at look look at where Trump went to school he also went to great a great school and you know I think I think everybody went you know goes different routes but I I've seen a lot of people go to these schools like Harvard and Yale and basically do nothing with their degrees um, I've also seen a lot of people go and be amazing success stories so I guess it, it you know it just it all it all depends. Um, you know, and, and it's interesting in today's society because the college standard has changed so much. You know what I mean, Dan? Yeah, yeah. I I look at it and and I really think that that um, what what I keep hearing is all the things. If 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 Mr. Trump would just do this, we would be better off. If he would just yeah. do that, if he would stop, yeah, tweeting, it's, it's never he enough. Would start a time. If he would stop attacking the other nation, and what he's doing is the things that many presidents, both Republican and Democrat, for generation have kicked the can down the road, and he, I think the best way to describe Donald Trump is that he is a fixer. If he yes. sees a problem, he goes, he get, he wants to fix it, and. Yes. That's the way he ran his businesses. If there was a problem with one of his properties and something needed to be fixed, Donald Trump yeah. was the one who said, go fix it. And if he couldn't find the right people to fix it, he looked for more people to fix it. And so Mr. Absolutely. Trump is a fixer, and he's, well, he understands fixed. the problems of this nation. He's fixing them one at a time. Uh, I, I yeah. did. This is my sixth or seventh interview today. And yeah. I, I keep talking about what's going on. All of this is going on. 4.1% GDP, which I think will be revised to five, four and a half percent by the and end of... And that's what I was of, saying on my show. I, I even said on my show last week, I even expect the GDP to rise to like four and a half, five percent fairly soon. I mean, it, it's just going to keep going up and up. It's you're right, and 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 what what people have again, because they want to, they want to look at the negatives, and and that's that's a, a psychology that has to change in this country. We cannot right. continue as a nation to look at the negatives instead of looking at the positives. I, I believe, for example, and I've written about this, and I, I get some heat. I'm writing about Trump's tariffs. Now, we yeah. had a lot of people say that the farmers were going to go into, into the tank and all these things are going to happen because of the tariffs. And it's yeah. clear that the people who are talking about tariffs don't yeah. know anything about tariffs. We have, right. we have a, de a deficit with the European Union of $175 billion a year. We have a trade deficit between Canada and Mexico of almost $150 billion a year. We have a trade deficit with China of almost $450 billion a year. All that means is that we are bringing in more than what we are shipping out. 
And what Trump is trying to say is that the tariffs that restrict the exportation of American goods and services are unfair. Now, the second greatest deficit in trade is with the European Union. The European oh, yeah. Union sent its, its, its trade ambassador to the United States two weeks ago, and now they're talking about putting together a framework that would eliminate all tariffs of trade between the United States and the EU, all tariffs. I don't know how soon it's going to get done, but I think it's going to get done because the EU wow. understands they need America more than more we than need we them. Yeah. And that's true. Whenever you have a deficit in trade, it's because the exporting country needs us worse than we need them. We are the yes. biggest economy in the world, and yes. we have a tremendous opportunity for businesses who want to do business with us. But as yes. Mr. Trump is saying, it has to be fair. Well, here's the point. If we get a trade deal with Mexico, Canada, and the European Union, it will put enormous yes. pressure on the Chinese to capitulate. We already got a trade deal with, with Japan. So right. if we get, by the beginning of the first quarter of 2019, yes. I believe GDP for the fourth quarter of 2019 will be 6% or higher. Wow, that's a bold prediction. I like it. I like it. Stan, please stay on the line. We have a bunch to talk about. I do want to welcome um, our, our next special guest, a Nobel Peace Prize nominee and New York Times bestselling author, political strategist, and entrepreneur and lobbyist, uh, Kenneth Timmerman. How are you, sir? Ken? Hello? Ken available? Kenneth? Right, I think we I don't think we have a Ken. I don't think we have Ken. It, looks, it says he's on the line, but I don't hear him. All right, Keith. Ken? Ken? No, no Ken. Okay. Um yeah, Dan. Um but uh, Josh respond real quick. We'll get we'll trying to get Ken on in a second at the end and then I wanna talk to you about we get yeah. your thoughts on something. Honestly, but before uh, Ken gets on here, I had a question for both uh, uh, Dan and Valerie here uh, because I know that you guys, you know, obviously Valerie uh, with your uh, book, uh, Backyard Jihad, and then Dan, you're pretty knowledgeable when it comes to uh, the is, you know, Islamic, radical Islam issue. I had a question for both mm-hmm. of you. You know, I, I can't remember what state it was in now, but the uh, the busting up of this, this man who was teaching these these young children to go, you know, and be radical. But the media is saying that it was he was teaching them to be school shooters. I think that's a very interesting twist that now they can use it to, you know, gu- big scary guns. Well, this guy, from what I've heard, is the son of someone who is connected to 9-11. It's totally radical Islam. It's, I mean, it's, that's a definition of backyard jihad. I, want, I guess I wanted you both to respond to and talk about, you know, what you've heard about that whole situation and how the media is mistracing it. And I know, Rory, you're going to get to this, but I'm jumping your ship a little bit. Doris. Go ahead. Okay. Um, 
I, I think that I, I've heard the story. Uh, I want to say that it took place in Arizona, but I'm not 100% sure that I'm not near my computer to look that up. Um, but I think it was Arizona. Uh, it, it, it represents a, a problem that we have because of a lack of border security. We have allowed people to come into this country. We, again, it's important to help uh, the, your listeners understand, Roy, that yeah. we have a perception that the people that are coming across the border are Central American Hispanics, and yeah, that's true. But what we don't report, we don't report that there are people coming from Iran, from Turkey, from North Korea, from China, all over the world are coming in into Mexico to come up through the southern border. So it isn't just yeah. it isn't just poor Hispanics that are coming across the border. There are people from nations all over the world, friend and foe alike, who have been able to get into this country illegally and are here up to no good. And we need, we need ICE as an enforcement organization to try and identify those bad guys and get them out of the country to make our country safe. We need, if, if we have to have a shutdown in September of the federal government in order to get funding to secure the border, then I'm all for it. And I think the yeah. vast majority of Americans would be for it too and actually would help the turnout for the Republicans in the midterm election. Oh, absolutely. 100, 100%. And, you know, I, I want to get your thoughts, Dan. Um, you know, and, and, unless Valerie and Josh, you have, any, you have anything to say, go ahead. Um, sure. I want to hear from I'll, Valerie. I'll jump in real quick. Yeah, I'll jump in real quick. Thank you. I agree every, yeah. with everything that Dan said. And, you know, this is the thing is the, the jihadists have a mission, and their mission is to infiltrate our government from within. And so when they get in through those porous borders that Dan was talking about, and he's exactly right, um, they want to spread around the United States. So the FBI has at least one, and in most cases many more than one, case um, that they're watching over uh, the jihadists and the Islamists in, in every state in the United States. So what they, their plan, they have a grand plan, and they're trying to infiltrate us through with from within, meaning they know the next generation is where their success or failure will be. So if they can go to a school and, and manipulate um, the students to, to believe whatever they say, then they've got followers. And that's, that's the idea is to turn, turn our, young, our young minds into uh, jihadists. And so they'll begin by radicalizing them slowly um, towards the, uh, the belief that they have, and it's anti-American, it's anti-Constitution, and it's most likely anti-anything that the United States stands for. Um, so as yeah. Dan said, they come across the border, they, they plant themselves in every state in the United States, and they begin with the next generation. And that's, that's going to continue, you know, until they get what they want, which is 
another caliphate, and to, to institute Sharia law. Right. Yeah, and Valerie, you, uh, Roy, you and Dan, you, and Dan you, you, you guys both are, uh, you guys specialize in uh, radical Islam. I know, you, you, Valerie, you wrote a best-selling book about it, and so did Dan. He's written a couple, actually, I think. What were you saying, Dan? Sorry. I wanted, I wanted to follow up on a point that Valerie made, yeah. a hard number. The, the German government, the German government is very concerned and has been for since they opened up the, the border. They've been very concerned about infiltration by known terrorists coming in with all the refugees. Now, yeah. think about this number. Think about this number. If the German government identifies a known terrorist living in Germany. They have written and spoke out that in order to effectively try and monitor that terrorist, it takes 63 people to follow one terrorist. 63 people. Now, if you think about how many people, as Valerie was talking about, who've come across the border illegally and there are there are terrorists being monitored in all 50 states. Imagine the manpower if we were going to follow the same logic as the Germans of identifying these people who are terrorists, who are living in our country, and we had to put 63 people on every one of those. Look at the resources that would be necessary to do that, and what resources would we have to give up for the support of the American people to spend that kind of money to to watch terror, known terrorists in the United States? So what happens is we don't because we don't have the money, and we had a government for eight years who wasn't who wasn't interested in who came across the border, good guys or bad guys. They just let them come. And so we need border security. We need to define our borders. We need the border security in order to begin to control the people that are coming into our country illegally. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a necessity at this point. I mean, let, let's look mm-hmm. at, you know, for, for, for instance, I want to play a clip. Um, of what, you know, there was a report today, it's actually yesterday, but uh, <clears throat> the son of an imam linked to uh, the World Trade Center bombing kept children in a filthy compound and allegedly trained them to shoot up schools. We have to listen to this report. We have to talk about this because this is some serious shit. When I saw this report, I, I mean, it's like there's nothing I haven't seen in this life. I mean, this is absolutely insane. Um, roll the tape, one, five. It's actually all the adults there, but let me tell you, police did find these 11 children, ages 1 to 15, last week, hungry and malnourished, living in this compound in rural New Mexico. They also found an AR-15, five 30-round loaded magazines, and four loaded pistols. Now, according to court records from just a few hours ago, these five defendants that you see here, two men and three women, trained at least one of the children in how to use a gun. Quoting from those records, a foster parent 
of one of the 11 children stated the defendant had trained the child in the use of an assault rifle in preparation for a future school shooting. Additional charges filed specifically against the women for transporting kids beyond state lines for the purpose of receiving advanced weapons training to commit future acts of violence. Now, police executed this search warrant last week after receiving a text saying, we are starving, need food and water. A SWAT team, after seeing a firing range on the property, moved in unannounced and arrested the five suspects. Now, they were looking for a boy, three-year-old Abdul Wahaj. He was kidnapped last year by his father, Siraj, who believed the boy was possessed by the devil and planned to perform an exorcism. In fact, the boy could not walk because of epilepsy. Now, Siraj's father is a controversial Islamic cleric and was an unindicted co-conspirator in the 93 World Trade Center bombing, according to the New York Post, the Daily News, and Senator Chuck Schumer. The cleric also called the CIA and the FBI terrorists and defended the man who was ultimately convicted in the Trade Center bombing. So court records say some of these kids who are now in state custody, Dana, told police that in the last few days they saw that three-year-old boy, Abdul, that he was in the compound. He is now assumed to be dead. Police retrieved what they believed to be his bones, but that has yet to be confirmed by the coroner. Right now, all five suspects are in court. Back to you. Wow, thank you. I mean, it's, it's absolutely appalling, Dan. I mean, these sort of things, and this is going on, you know, as we've been talking about for I mean, I've been talking about it on my show for a while. I mean, they've been training these kids in foreign countries to use guns and use weapons in a a terrorism way, and now they're starting to do it here in the U.S. And this is some scary stuff. This is dangerous territory. Well, it's absolutely correct. And, uh, again, um, another statistic for you, Roy. Um, Since the September 11th bombing, yeah, the number the number of mosques in the United States has gone from twelve hundred to twenty five hundred. Twenty five hundred. Not not that it's not. I'm not saying that all mosques are evil. What I'm saying is I'm using it to show how right. rapidly the Muslim right. people are growing in the United States. And the reason why it's important is I go back to something I said a long time ago on your program. When I wrote the first book, The Brotherhood of the Red Nile, A Terrorist Perspective, I believed at the time, and I still believe it today, the vast majority of Americans have no clue of what the Sharia law and the Koran mean. When... When you understand, if you read the first nine chapters of the Koran and understand how they live and what guides them, if you understand that fundamentally they will never assimilate, it's why we have all these places in Michigan and in Minnesota where we have enclaves of 100% pure Muslim who are not assimilating into the American culture. They are bringing the Muslim culture to the United States and treating it as a separate nation. What made this country great is the ability to become a a melting pot, which means that people came 
from all over the world and assimilated into the American culture. The Muslims, by and large, who are coming here, who are opening mosques, are demonstrating, physically demonstrating their unwillingness to assimilate because their religious documents, the Quran and Sharia law, forbid them, forbid Muslims for to assimilate with Christians and Jews. The idea that we think that they will come here and that they will give up and and become American citizens following American law is folly because their religion will not allow them to do that. And when when you understand that there are only two kinds of people in the world under Muslim law, believers and infidels. And either you convert as an infidel to the Muslim faith or you must die. That's how they operate. And so when you see these this this story that you did about the camp with the with the five adults, it is another example of how these people come and are not willing to assimilate. They are they want to create a separate culture. They want to divide America just like they're dividing France and Germany and Italy and other parts of Europe, Sweden, by dividing the country, by coming in and taking over the country and establishing their own enclaves. They are growing in strength and power, and they will overtake Germany and France and Italy and other European nations, and they will try, as your lady friend said, also in the United States. And that's absolutely yeah, right. And, yeah. and the thing Go that ahead, they're trying, and, and in addition to what Dan just said, um, you know, when they have these enclaves in these various cities around the country, they, they like you said, they, they start to take over. There are places in Michigan, like, like Hamtramck, Michigan, for example, um, where the people that have lived there for, you know, have families and great-grandparents, living there for generations, now they feel like they're living in a Muslim country in, in the United States, in Michigan. They now say they want to move out because as the Muslims have come in, they've created their own, um, you know, small city as if they were in a foreign is a Muslim country. So they know that the Americans... Yes, exactly. Those that have been Americans living there for generations, they used to go shopping and, and you know, find clothes that the Americans would wear. Now those are, you know, hijab and, and um, burqa uh, stores. And it, now the re- regular grocery store is now a halal store. And, you know, all of these things, so it doesn't even feel like their own neighborhood anymore. So they're moving out. And that's exactly what the Muslims, the radical Muslims want. Because as, as Dan said, then they can take over. And, and um, as, as they do, when they feel like they have a majority of, of, of right. radical Muslims, that's when they're going to really begin to act. Right now they're just building. But like, like Dan yes. said, the majority of Americans don't see that. And they, we have to open their eyes. Um, and, Rory, your show hopefully will do part of that, is to open your yes. listeners' eyes to what's happening so yeah. they can um, they can be aware and they can they can get out there and tell more people and educate people and that's why I wrote my book 
like as Jen said, you know, people need to be educated about the steps that the jihadists are taking and and protect their children. Oh, yeah. Josh, go ahead. I know you want to talk about this real quick. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, and and I mean, as as I mentioned, you know, with the setup question, you know, just the way that the media is spinning this, they're not even talking about the, you know, the jihad, the radical Islam aspect of this. Because that narrative doesn't fit their guns are bad. Let's talk about gun control narrative. It doesn't fit it. So, you know, they're acting like this was just to have school shooters. Well, this wasn't just some nut job that wanted to train people for school shooters. This guy was a radical Islamist who was going to was training people to do this because of what the Quran teaches. And, you know, I think that's the biggest thing that's being missed by the mainstream media, and I think it's being purposefully missed or ignorantly missed, but I, I believe it's purposefully. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Dan, well, go ahead. Sir I Haj, want you to speak on – oh, go ahead, Valerie. Sir go ahead. Sirhaj Waj is somebody that's been very well known by the FBI for, for a long, long time. He's been radical forever. He's in Brooklyn. He's that comes out of Brooklyn. And he preaches uh, hate speech and incitement. And so this is not something that we, is surprising coming from him. Once you hear his name, you know, you know, it, it's up to, he's up to bad, you know, no good. Um, but the problem is, even though our country knows about many of these different uh, radical um, Islamists and imams, we're not arresting yeah. them and closing down these, these mosques. Um, we have one no. very close by where I am in Virginia. Um, we have several of them in, in Washington and Maryland, and, and they're still open, and, and the FBI knows all about it, uh, but it's not, it's not being closed down. Problem. And you hear, here's what's right. sickening, and I want, to me- I want to mention this, and I, Dan, I want you to speak on this, but uh, the, the leader of the Women's March, who's a Muslim, Linda Sarzar, Linda Sarzar, remember yeah. that name, guys. I know, I'm sure you know yeah. who she is. She's a Muslim, and she's a, totally a race baiter, and she's a piece of shit. Excuse my language. Excuse my French. But this woman was a mentor to the guy that was shooting on the compound, teaching these kids how to portray a school shooting. This is not fake news either. And the sad thing is she's really, um, she's really gaining a lot of power. And she's doing it through the Democratic Party. And, and, and she's also advocating for more and more Muslims to run for office, because that, radical Muslims. Because that's how mm-hmm. they are going to be able to take over from within. They run for office. They become judges. They Just like Saudi uh, Khan in London. They want- exactly. Exactly. So every, every area of society, if they can you know, gain power in every area, the, the more they can spread the message and institute Sharia law, which is their ultimate goal. And there are many places in the United States now where Sharia law is, is winning over the U.S. Constitution. And obviously that's illegal, but it's happening. Go ahead, Dick. Well, the issue, the, the, what Valerie was saying, the reason why it's happening is they have a, they have a plan of what they're trying to do, and they have willing co-conspirators who are politically correct, who do not want to offend anybody, including Muslims, (laughs) and it would be perfectly acceptable for them to sacrifice our country to be politically correct. 
Yeah. I mean, and that, they and have that, a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and that's and that's the scare, and that's that's another thing. I I do I do want to transition topics, Dan. I really want to get to something very important. Two things that are very important that we need to discuss. First of all, the Senate Intelligence Committee has now called on Julian Assange to testify and and front testify. What are your thoughts on that, Dan? Well, I think. Um... It's a it's a very interesting story uh, for for lots of different reasons. First and of all, for people that don't know, real quick, for people that don't know, audience, uh, Julian Assange is the owner of WikiLeaks. He is the one that exposed all the Hillary Clinton emails, all, and he's been re, he's done a God. lot of good stuff. Yes, yeah, so go ahead though. Go ahead. Sorry, Dan. Well, he's also. Uh, a house prisoner at an embassy, the Ecuadorian embassy in in, in London, and oh, London. and and it looks like they're going to kick him out. Whether he will be arrested or not, I don't know. So the the story is, how does he get out of the embassy into the United States in order to to um, to testify? And, uh, and and maybe there is some. Uh, protection that be, can be afforded to him to get him out of that embassy and get him into the United States, and perhaps, perhaps he come in, can come into the United States seeking asylum. But that's for a different show and a different time. I think that it would be extremely valuable for him to come and testify before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee if if he tells. All the story. If he Don't goes you think it would put a lot says, to rest? Oh yeah, there's no question because the the issue is where did WikiLeaks get the emails? Did the, did the Russians hack the Democratic National Committee? Did they hack the Hillary campaign? Did they hack John Podesta's computers? And did they hack? the Democratic Congressional Caucus Re-Election Committee. If, and so that the belief is that, is that the Russians hacked into the computers and gave the information to WikiLeaks to publish. Now, Assange has said, not under oath before a Senate committee, has said on more than one occasion that the the emails did not come from the Russians. For him to go before a congressional committee and to be asked that question, where did you get your where did you get the emails? Depending upon how he answers it could be devastating for the Democratic Party and the leadership of the Democratic Party. And um and I, I, I would I I don't know whether he will claim the right of privilege of their sources as a, as a news person, but the other thing is he's not an American. I don't believe he's an American citizen. So he would come to the United States on a guest visa. So I'm not so sure that the fifth amendment right would apply to him, but it may, I'm not a lawyer, but I would love to see him come and answer all the questions and release all the details. And 
I I believe that the source of the email was a Democratic operative young man who was murdered. And I think he was murdered because he gave the information to Assange. Who do you think killed him? Somebody from the Clinton campaign. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, I... It's it's scary to even think about. Um, Josh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, boy, if we want an opportunity, if if any of that is potentially true, that you know the Clintons were directly, uh, you know, associated with someone losing their life because of information they gave over. I mean, you want to talk about a way to get the Clintons in jail? That's the way to do it. More than anything, um, you know, I'd love to see them have to answer. Even if they're not answering directly for some of the things like they did, but I'd love to see, you know, Hillary specifically get a little taste of her own medicine when it comes to, you know, what she did in Benghazi with losing the lives of those Americans. I would love to see uh, a little redemption and a little karma head her way. And if this is the way you get it, I, uh, I'm totally fine with that. You can go, you can do a Google search, and you can do a Google search under. Who has been killed in the Clinton era? Going Uh-oh. back to when he was governor to president, and she was Secretary of State. You there, you'll you'll see lots of conspiracy theories, but you also see the names of people who have died under questionable circumstances uh, involved with the Clintons. Michael, haven't you written about this on your site? Yes, I am. Are you, you talking talk about the Clint? What do you, what do you you talk about the Clintons in a certain way? Specify for us, real quick. Talk about the Clintons because they're all a part of the this thing that you might not understand. It's called Valkyrie. Valkyrie is is really the union that happened in Genesis chapter thirty six when the Canaanites, who was the extra white people, who was different from Gentile white people. Married into the Ishmaelites, who's the father of all Arabs, Ethiopians, and Pakistanis. And they, in Ezekiel 38, they said, Let us go into the unwalled cities and destroy them and pillage them. That's why I'm glad to hear these brothers and sisters talking about this today, so that they'll know that Obama deliberately opened the, 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 the borders to allow ISIS and MS 13, who are all who are the sons of perdition to come in and destroy and pillage and take our people for a prey, which means, you know, cannibalize them. But we ain't going to talk about that today. But the bottom line is they are in here, and white when the white man and the black man wakes up to the fact that they're, they're allowing them in here to destroy and pillage and take everything we got, that's why... I was one of the first ones to say, build that wall. I, I actually almost started that that chant, build that wall, because they asked me what, um, what did I feel about the borders. I said, well, the Bible says in Isaiah 60, 18, thus said the Lord, build me a wall, great and high, to be a border unto my land, Jerusalem, and all nations will come and say, please let us help you build that wall. Why do we need that wall? Because Ezekiel 38, 1-11 says, the Magog and Gog, which is the union between the Ishmaelites and the Canaanites, which is uh, 
the Slavs or the Asians, they came over here and called themselves Inca and Aztecs. Now, a lot of them call themselves Cherokees and, 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 and other Indian tribes, but they mix with us so that we'll protect them, thinking we're defending ourselves. And they deliberately yeah. do that to cause confusion. But I'm not confused. The white Gentiles who got driver's license, he is not a Canaanite because Canaanites, they come over here, they don't have to have driver's license. They don't have to have, they can't be regulated. They, they got safe zones. They are perfect. And they got their own country right inside of America, and they call themselves Cherokees, and they're safe. And that's what that McCain is, and that is what Hillary is. And Bill Clinton, you look it up, he, it says he is a Cherokee. And more yeah, you, Michael, 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 I want to yeah. pause you for a second. You, you always say Cherokee, and you mentioned it on your website, too. You always specify that for us. I mean, I know you mean it in a certain way. Um, I don't know if you mean it like everybody else means it, but you really use that word a lot. Okay. You also word, use the word white Gentile. Can you explain both of those a little bit for us? Okay. It's simple. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Shem is the father of the black man over here in America. Genesis fifteen thirteen said Abraham's children will be carried away captive and treated evil for four hundred years on ships. That's what around twenty eight sixty eight. The only people that fit that description is the black people of America. And then Japheth is the father of the. Well, I meant to say Abraham is the son of Shem. Okay, so now that's that means we're the Shemites. The Gentiles in Revelation ten one through six is. Japheth was the father of all the isles of the children of the islands of the Gentiles, the white European Gentiles, as Genesis chapter 10, 1 through 5. Ham was just the middle son of Noah. He had a fourth son named Canaan. Canaan was cursed white and turned white as snow, have no melanin in his skin. He's totally different from the Gentiles. He, he cannot go out in the sun to get vitamin D, so... He and so he's a little murderous little fella. He acts like you, but he's not you. Then he he had to run because he became cannibalistic, and then he had to run from country to country to country to country. When he came to Europe, we call them Slavs. The reason why we call them Slavs because Genesis chapter nine eighteen to twenty six, God said Canaan would be a slave of slave and a servant of servants to Shem and Japheth forever because Shem and Japheth saved Noah from Canaan disrespecting him, and then Canaan was cursed and turned white. And that guy is a totally different white man from the Gentiles. And he came over here to the Americas, and instead of being called Slav, he called himself Inca. His partner was the Ishmaelites, who are the East Indian and Pakistanians, who called themselves Asian. And when they came over here with them as Phoenicians, the Aztec, yeah. they called themselves the Aztecs. And then when the conquistadors right. found out that they were blood sacrificed, everybody they ran into America and changed their name again to the Cherokee. The Cherokee, right. Choctaw, Chickasaw, Seminole, Creek Indian. These are, but those white guys that Trump was pointing out in a hearing in the Congress in 1993 in the Washington Post, I got it on my website, where it says Trump's problem with the Cherokee Indian. And he said, why do they, they said, why are you, uh, Jealous of the Cherokees and uh, racist against Cherokees. I'm not racist against them. They're racist against me. Why don't they have to pay taxes, but I do? Why do their casinos get to stay open 24-7, but I got to shut down selling alcohol at 2? 
Why is it that they are duty free and tax free in their stores, but I have my people have to pay duty my, and tax my, in my stores? He said, "Wait, let me." Michael, 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 I'm going to have to pause you. We're, we have we have a few minutes left. I do I do want to I do have a couple very important topics to get you. Stay on the line though, um, Dan. I really want to. We have about 15 minutes left, but Dan, I really want to get to something very important uh, about Russia. Um, there's been a debate the last couple days. Um, you know, between Trump, um, his lawyers, and Mueller, uh, whether they're going to sit down, whether Trump's going to sit down for a one-on-one face-to-face with Mueller, his lawyers right now are advising against it because they think it's a perjury trap, which I totally agree. You know, Mueller could get him twisting his words, but at the same time, Donald Trump has dealt with every sort of category of an individual his whole life in business. I mean, there's no kind of person he hasn't dealt with. So, I mean, Trump is very clever, but uh, it scares me. I mean, what are your thoughts? I know you've probably written about this and you're thinking about it. What do you, what do you think? Well, first of all, um, Mueller wants the president to come and answer questions. Now, the Justice Department has already said that the president cannot be subpoenaed and right. yeah. um, under the Justice Department rules. Now, so if we look at it from the standpoint, in order for the president to consider, and I'm going to use Bill Clinton as an example here in just a minute, <laughs> in, order for hey, the, in, order for the pre, in order for the president to seriously consider answering questions to Mueller or his team, he needs to ask a question. The first question is, what crime am I charged with? Exactly. There is none. There is none. There is no crime. So if there is no crime he may have committed, then... Why does he have to answer any questions from Mueller? If there was no crime, if if he has exceeded his rights, his orders, then uh, it is not up to Mueller to do anything. If 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 he has created, if he is, if if the president of the United States has performed high crimes and misdemeanors. The Constitution is very clear about what the remedy is, and that is the impeachment trial. Trial, important thing to distinguish, because I am sure that there are many people listening to this program who who think that if the president is impeached, he is guilty. They do not understand the rest of the impeachment process, where there's a trial where... Right, where the the House of Representatives are the prosecutors, the Senate is the jury, and the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court is the trial judge. That's another program. So if he hasn't and we, broken and the law. And we saw, but real quick, real quick, Dan, we saw Bill Clinton get impeached, and they went through the process, but then he got off because, uh, you know, he had a somebody on his side. But go on, keep yeah, And so it's it, the, the, the impeachment process is as we just as you just said, you impeach him, he goes to trial. If he's not 
convicted by the jury, which I said was the Senate, then he is not removed from office. Uh, Andrew Johnson, Richard, Richard Nixon never went to trial. Andrew Johnson, who was the vice president uh, for, for um, Abraham Lincoln, was impeached. Yeah. Bill Clinton was impeached. Both went to trial. And both. There has never been a president removed from office because of an impeachment. Never. But never. the point is, Nixon is that I, don't, I can't come up with – I'm not a lawyer – but I can't come up with a justification of why Donald Trump would have to talk to Robert Mueller. Because right. if he hasn't committed any crimes, what is Mueller going to ask him about? I because mean, you know the, co- quote, yeah. the collusion that the American news media is using to say that he colluded with the Russians under federal law is not a crime. His firing no. of James Comey is not an obstructive yeah. of justice, as some people have said, because he interfered with the Russian investigation. No. Right. The president of the United States is the chief executive of the country, and he has the right to fire any cabinet officer or any employee underneath him. Number three, the Constitution specifically prohibits, or the, the federal laws, strictly prohibit an underling from questioning the president. In the order of, of the pecking order, the president of the United States is the executive of the um, executive department of the government, the executive office, and all the cabinet officers. Robert Mueller is an employee of the Justice Department and the FBI, primarily the Justice Department, and therefore he is inferior, the word inferior, to Donald Trump because Donald Trump is the executive in charge of the Justice Department. So again, a president cannot be compelled to answer questions by an inferior, and you can put into that any interpretation you'd like, uh, of Robert Mueller, so there, there is. I can't come up with a reason. I mean, I understand President Trump has an ego, and he, in his mind, he believes if he can go to the and and sit down with Mueller, he can demonstrate and convince Mr. Mueller that he hasn't done anything wrong. I understand the lawyers because he hasn't done anything wrong. There is no reason for for Donald Trump on this count to have any discussion with Robert Mueller or any of his surrogates because there isn't a basis by which he can have any conversations with Mueller at all. And it's, it's just silly to keep that the left wants to keep bringing up Russia, uh, that Trump and Russia are best friends. I mean, Trump has put some of the toughest sanctions on Russia more than any president ever and people want to, on the left keep want to keep saying Trump's Putin's puppet. I mean, it's just a justification. It's just something they use as a crutch. You know, it's something they use as one of their talking points. It has no merit. It has no logic. Um, we saw, you know, Trump put the um, imposes chemical weapon sanctions on Russia. He just did that uh, today. Or, you know, he, he's right. And he also uh, put other sanctions that affect their economy. So, I mean, and trade and put them in trade deficit. So there's things he's doing mm-hmm. to Russia 
that are putting them in misery. So how is he their best friend again? I mean, the liberals are so delusional. Right. Absolutely. You had two subjects you want to talk about. We got 10 minutes and I've already stayed longer than I promised you I would, but you do that to me every time I'm on your show. But I know, okay. I know, I know. Well, what, I know. No, was there Josh, another subject ahead, you wanted to get covered? Or? Yeah, I want Josh and Valerie to, re- Valerie to respond, and I want, we want one more thing to talk about. I agree. I don't think there's any reason um, that that uh, Trump should should that Trump should uh, speak with Mueller at all. I mean, like like Dan said, th- they're out to get him. Why would he give them any ammunition anyway? I mean, it's, right. it's just not necessary, and it's 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 dangerous for Trump and his administration. And and also, it's time for Mueller to put up or shut up. I mean, he's he's either gonna you know, end this thing or, like, you know, charge the Trump administration with something. But it seems to me that there's but nothing. But do you really believe, do you really believe, Valerie, do you really believe in your, in your, in your, in the gray matter in, in that beautiful brain of yours? Do you really believe that Mueller would come out and say, ever come out and say, there was no collusion, the president did nothing illegal? No. Do you no, believe he no. will continue okay. to no, I believe that he would never say that. And he'll continue to search until he finds a little itty bitty something and then he'll make it big. But yeah. but again But that's all the more but, reason why Trump should stay away from him. I just don't know when how is there gonna be an ending. Yeah, I so so it, would would you guess after sixteen months and almost sixteen million dollars? That if there were something there, they would have said something about it by of now. Of course, of yes, course. Absolutely. But how do we get it to end? I mean, there there is there's no logical reason why the left would want Mueller to sit on anything. And they're trying. So if you they're believe- trying to get Michael Cohen. They're trying to get Michael Cohen's tax fraud and Paul Manafort's tax fraud and all this this stuff they do in their own life. They're trying to attach it to Trump, and it's just it's another way that Mueller's trying to get something out of them. It, and the same thing with the uh, Gates guy that just testified on Manafort's beha- on behalf uh, against him. Uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. His partner, yes. Yeah, keep going though. Yeah, man. sorry. Well, I'm just I was just going to say, you know, um, uh, I've been traveling all week, so I haven't really had a chance to follow much of the trial. I did see the story in the local paper uh, about uh, the, the Gates testimony. And, and what's interesting to me is I wonder how the jury will react to what he said when he admitted that he had lied to Mr. Manafort and he had lied to the banks and he had lied to the accountants. He's lied so several times. He's, if, he's been known to be a pathological liar. So, I mean, there, he's not well, really I, I don't know whether he's, he is or not. But, but, but the point is, when, when you question the validity of testimony by a witness as yeah. a liar, then the credibility of the other stuff that they've said is greatly diminished. So, uh, you know, the, 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 as I said, I haven't seen many, I haven't seen many papers and and not a lot of time to go on the internet, but I am curious right. as to um, the the trial and what's happening. But it, it doesn't appear yeah. that there's 
there, there hasn't been any bombshell come out of the trial. Right. And so, right. Uh, and I suspect that the judge, who's, who has been very scolding of Mueller's team and their tactics, uh, not allowing it in his in his courtroom, going for, uh, yeah. in this trial. So he's he's put him on a very tight leash, and um, yeah. I just haven't I haven't seen anybody talk about the trial, even on Fox. Uh, uh, as I try and watch the news at night, I haven't seen anybody talking about the trial. So there must not be anything of significance coming out in the in the in the witnesses that are testifying at the trial. That's just one observation. Right. Well said. Uh, before you go, Dan, uh, Josh, you have any you have any yes. last things for Dan? Yeah, uh, Dan, I guess uh, a, a quick question. What, uh, you kind of answered it already, but I'd like you to go into specific detail here before the show ends. Why do you think that, I mean, I, you already talked about Trump's ego, but, like, do you see any potential gain from him talking to Mueller about this? I don't see any possible upside. I, don't I, I would absolutely, I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I, I can't imagine what positive, I mean, Trump is, Trump is thinking that he's going to be able to, in his mind, he's going to be able to, he's going to persuade Mueller that he's, he's innocent. But you have to have a crime to be innocent. There is no crime. So I, I just don't understand. I mean, I understand his ego and all that stuff, but I just can't come up with a, a rationale reason why he should go there. And even if he goes there and, and he answers the questions and there's nothing that Mueller gets to use, uh, I don't know that the special prosecutor will, in fact, release a, a transcript of the testimony. I don't know that he'll even do that. So uh, what is the gain? Uh, right. And so I, I, I understand that there's a, a certain amount of risk involved, as Valerie was saying. That, that I agree with that as being true. But I, don't, I can't come up with a constitutional legal reason why he should testify at all, there's just nothing there because there's no there's no indictment. There was an indictment with Bill Clinton. He lied. He perjured himself. None of that stuff is there. There is no there is no crime that Donald Trump has been charged to a grand jury to having committed. And if you if you don't have a crime, there is no reason for you to go talk to prosecutors. Period. Right. Well, and, well said, and it isn't Dan. a matter of whether he's 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 lying or not. It's just a matter of it just doesn't make any sense because there's nothing there. Hey Dan, we need we need to let you go, but as always, we want to thank you for being on the show. Uh, you're always a pleasure. Sure. Uh, we got a lot we got a lot talked about tonight. We got a lot addressed. I want to uh, thank you as always, and uh, we'll have you back on next week. Super. Thank you. Take care and good night to everybody. <laughs> All right, Dan. Take care. Cheers. Dan Perkins, everybody. Always a pleasure having him on. Um, I do want to announce real quick before the show ends, Alex Jones is winning. He is – he had, in 48 hours, he has gotten 5.6 new million subscribers. I mean, people are dedicated to Alex Jones. They're upset about the, the banning and the censoring, I mean, and the conservative silence. I mean, we're all coming together. I mean, this is phenomenal. I mean, he's number one on iTunes. He's number one on Google Play. He's number one everywhere right now, his podcast. He is sending a message, and I love it. Um, you know, real quick, 
actually, no, I'll have to, I'll have to stuff I didn't get into, and I'll have to get into on the next episode. This happens all the time. We always have a large agenda, and we get talking, and then, uh, you know, certain things I uh, um, run out of time on. But real quick, Valerie, go ahead, uh, promote your book, uh, whatever you got, real quick. Uh, thank you. Um, so the book is on Amazon.com called Backyard Jihad, How Parents Can Detect the Invisible Threat of Radicalization. And um, you can also uh, make comments on my blog at um, BackyardJihad.com. All right, Josh, go ahead, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead. If, uh, if you are willing, give me a follow on Instagram at J-O-S-H-H-L-A-V-A-T-Y, and thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Absolutely, and you can visit, always visit me at RorySutter.tv. You can visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com. Again, that's TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com. You can also visit GetYourAppBuilt.com. Again, that's GetYourAppBuilt.com. Um, I want to thank all of my audience tonight. I want to thank my co-hosts. I want to thank my advertisers. I want to thank my um, special guests. Um, we've had an amazing show. Um, we had, we've got, we did a lot um, we will have a show over the weekend, and we will also have our regular show uh, as next week, like always. We do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like every week. We'll be doing that next week as well. Um, but we will uh, do have a special show this weekend. I want to announce that to everybody. Um, a lot to go over. So um, thank you. Um, God bless everyone. Uh, have a great night. Um, I'm Rory Sauter. Thank you for listening. Uh, Cheers, everybody.